Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Justin Treese here, joined as always by Austin Cunningham, Doug Anderson, and Riley O'Brien, and today we are Talking Football. Tonight, we'll be talking more free agency and some notable names changing teams. We will also be looking at how these moves may affect draft strategies, as well as giving you guys a look at who will be winning each division this next season. And, as always, we will be taking your Twitter questions. Gentlemen, how you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing well. All living the dream, man. Recovering from Nashville right now. Um, Today, going into work was uh, definitely difficult because I was waking up and going to work early when the past three days I've done nothing but sleep in and wake up with a massive headache. What time did you get back yesterday? Um, so I drove down to Joplin and met them there. I got there around six, I got home around nine and then was up getting everything situated for the week. So I was probably up till about 1030 and then up at six. So it looked a pretty good weekend, man. Trace, how was your weekend, man? I heard you had a little trip into the, into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, went over to, uh, old Wyoming. Um, and you know, there's nothing out there. Um, literally no phone service or anything went out there with a couple buddies um and all of our wives and kids um and it was a good time kind of just uh hung out by the fire drank a whole bunch of whiskey um and uh went sledding for a little bit um we made a a beer uh beer pong table out of snow and ice um <laughs> snow, snow was up to our chest it was it was a good time uh bought a little keg and uh first experience with uh having an own personal keg, and so that was a good time. Fantastic. And way not to uh, drop the name of what you were drinking because there are no free ads here, people. Absolutely not. Exactly. So it sounds like we all had a good weekend. We were able to unwind, relax a little bit, get ready for tonight's episode of Talking Football. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the Twitter questions. Our guy, uh, Taylor Schulte, you can find him at Schulte nine on twitter he asked the question are the browns actually going to be good and this is just an awesome spot to start because uh if i'm not mistaken they acquired a pretty good wide receiver this week doug's smiling at me as uh as we say that trees start us off what are your thoughts on odell to cleveland i mean i think i'm with uh everyone here that Dorsey did an amazing job, right? Uh, literally, I don't think he gave up much, right? He gave up a first rounder, third rounder, and peppers. On average, you're going to hit on 50% of your first round picks, right? Probably, what, 30% on third rounders? I mean, so overall, you're getting 50% chance of one of those two being a starter. So you're telling me that you get um, a little bit above average starting safety plus one rookie that's going to start for you for arguably the best wide receiver in football. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely I, okay with it. I, I think that they did just fine. Yeah. We figure Doug's pretty happy with this. Austin, how do you see Odell Beckham fitting in with the Browns? Um, I think it's going to be a great fit. Um, I think it's going to be awesome to see him with his best friend and uh, college, you know, college roommate, Javaris Landry. I think that's going to be awesome for them. And then seeing him pair with Baker, a guy, you know, who can has a pretty accurate deep ball, which, you know, we were not seeing from Eli Manning. And that's where a lot of the frustration was coming with OBJ. So seeing that happen and the little return or the little that the Browns had to give up in return to that make Dorsey look like 
a freaking genius, which he is. And I can say that out of experience, out of experience as being a Chiefs fan, um, when they released him, I was definitely confused on why they did it. But I think it's worked out for us anyway. So, you know, Doug, I'm happy for you. And it's awesome heading into the season. And I'm sure you can attest to this as well, that they're going to be good this season. And I don't remember the last time that we've headed into a football season with the Browns having the potential of winning 10-plus football games. So I love both of your guys' takes. I mean, you guys are spot on. Um, But this is essentially the moment that trade happened on Tuesday last week. I was coming home from class. I was about to take a nap with my wife, and then my phone goes off, and boom. Freaking Browns traded for Odell Beckham Jr., and I flipped my lid. Like, I started screaming. <laughs> Maddie was super upset. Like, what the hell are you doing? She like, leave the room. Yeah, she thought something was wrong. Um, and I run out, and I hurry and threw on my Baker Mayfield jersey, too. Um I was so excited. There was a small part of me that was sad that we traded Peppers because the Cleveland Brown, the dog pound will never forget uh, the Broncos game this last year with Jabril Peppers intercepting in the in the red zone as well as the game-winning sack that he had on Keenum. A little bit of a bittersweet feeling, but after a few seconds, I was okay. I was content. I was happy. Uh, I feel pretty good. Dorsey's the freaking man. When your phone blew up, our phones blew up. Yeah. <laughs> we saw a lot of reaction from Browns fans nationwide, and frankly, we don't blame you. Treese, Austin, what is Baker Mayfield's sophomore season going to look like? Oh, his sophomore season, I'm going to say, are you looking for stats or just like good or bad? Because it's going to be good. Um. I mean, I think he'll throw for Let, roughly 4,200, 4,500 yards, 35 touchdowns. I'm going to so say that. I like that. Does that change? I guess the way I should ask that when you say, you know, you're looking for stats or, you know, is it uh, how much better do you expect a season to be now with yet another weapon? We haven't even really hit on Cream Hunt, but things are lining up in uh, Cleveland and Baker just seems like he's got endless weapons. Baker's got weapons. He has a great relationship with Higgins. And at this point, I don't think Higgins is going anywhere. They gave him, I think, a, a sixth-round tender. Um, but I haven't seen them re-signing him or really a whole bunch of uh, details with Higgins. Higgins probably wants to stay. Um, but you did mention Kareem Hunt. And the fact that he has an eight-game suspension, the... He'll come back the week after the trade deadline. I don't think it looks good for Duke Johnson. When you look at Baker right now and then all the weapons that he has with a new coach coming in, with an offensive-minded coach, he had that last year with Hugh, with Hugh Jackson, but we all know how big of a mess that was. So now that he's got Kitchens and a guy that he has a relationship with and that he likes with all these weapons, I mean, where doesn't he not have a weapon at? Even Higgins, if you put him in the slot, which can also be filled with Odell or Landry, I mean, you're set. You have weapons on every end of the field. You have Duke Johnson while, bef- you know, before the trade deadline, like Doug just said. And then Hunt comes in after that, who we've seen in Kansas City do great after the catch, um, whether it's down the field or out of the backfield. He breaks tackles. Duke Johnson, I think what his mindset should be for the first eight weeks is proving how valuable he can be. And that's going to help the Browns trade him and get more 
more back form as well to a team that may be looking for a playoff push there towards the end of the season that might be missing that piece. So I do think it will take time for Hunt to kind of get in the hang of things. But Nick Chubb, I mean, you can't forget about him. I mean, that guy's a heck of a runner. You know what I mean? He put up multiple 100-yard games off, what, like three carries? Boom, 100 yards. So at every aspect of the game for the Browns, there is a playmaker. So let me ask this. We saw what Mahomes just did in year two. I'm not saying 50 touchdowns in an MVP season. Are, do we see Baker make a name for himself? I mean, he obviously has already, but – even more so, maybe along the lines of what Pat Mahomes just did? I mean, I think he's going to be able to prove that he's good and he can throw the ball, but at the same time, I don't know if that's ever going to solidify him as, you know, a good quarterback or an MVP season because of all the weapons that he has. You know, in a sense, that's kind of unfair. Even if that means taking the Cleveland Browns back to the playoffs? Yeah, I think think there's too many weapons around him for him to just get all the credit. I'm talking in the media of him like – being a star or face of the NFL like a Patrick Mahomes right now. Yes, Patrick Mahomes does have weapons, but the plays that he was making that you don't see anyone else making is the reason why. You know, that left-handed pass, a no-look pass, a pass around an offensive lineman while you're drifting to the left or running full speed to the right and you throw a pass 50 yards down the field to the left hash marker on a fourth and nine play against the Baltimore Ravens that, you know, was has the possibility of you clinching the AFC West or the AFC that day. I just don't know if we'll see those type of throws from Baker because Baker is more of a guy that gets a speed set and makes throws. He can make those off balance throws, but Baker is very good at having his feet set when he throws. Like that is one thing you'll see with Baker is that he has that good pocket presence and he has that good base on where he throws from. Well said. Trees, anything to add? No, I, I agree with everything that Austin just said. Yeah, I don't, so in regard to, like, with Schulte's question, will the Browns actually be good? I mean, most certainly, you look on paper, they're going to be good. Um, surprisingly, though, with the trades and everything that happened, a player that I was really excited for was Olivier Vernon. Because, don't get me wrong, I like Emmanuel Ogba. He just hasn't produced or shown up, essentially. He's either been hurt or other things have happened. But Olivier Vernon adds that extra dynamic on the opposite end of Garrett to where I do see the Browns taking the North, the AFC North. I really do. The other teams are kind of scrambling at this point. Um, But I could see them making the playoffs pretty easily. I don't know how, how deep they'll get into the playoffs. I still feel like with their young coaching staff that I don't personally see them making the Super Bowl or at least winning the Super Bowl. But I do see them maybe winning one playoff game and trying to get as deep as they can into the playoffs. All right, heading into our next Twitter question here. It is from at WNS underscore Brandon. Um, Doug, I think this is going to be a familiar name to you. And this kid asks, um, how can I get a better GM? Um, I'm not sure who your GM is from this question, but since I do know you personally, I know it's the Giants. Um, And let me tell you, man, (laughs) I don't know because you guys (laughs) just threw away everything you had and I don't understand why. And then what you were paying Odell, you're like, you know what? We did not sign Odell to trade him. Hey, let me take a guess. Oh, I think I'm going to trade him. And then you're you're thinking, man, I have all this money. What am I going to do? I think I'm going to pay Golden Tate a ton of money that (laughs) makes no sense when I was paying Odell that. And then you're like, Landon Collins. That's a stud. That's an Eric Berry on defense. Get him out of here. 
<laughs> I don't want him. And then the one edge guy you have, Olivier Vernon. You know what? I'll just give him to the Browns. So, man, really what I want to know here is what in the hell did Dorsey and him talk about at the combine? Because when that picture is sitting there, I, I'm speechless because I don't understand why you sit there and you go, let's keep a 30-year-old quarterback who can't throw the ball down the field. So let's get rid of our best wide receiver. Let's get rid of our best defensive player and then pay this money to people that are older that no one else understands. So how can you get a better GM here, Brandon? I don't know if you can because the New York football giants are just deciding to not be good this next year. And I don't understand why. Also, uh, Brandon, Doug here. Um, in regards to that beautiful gif that was uh, in response to your question, that was not Austin. That was uh, me. You're welcome. Just to be just to be sure. Trees, can you shed any light for a guy, Brandon? Yeah. Um, how do you get into better GM? You'll find out next offseason. Um, switch to hockey. <laughs> <laughs> oh brandon we're so sorry (laughs) that sucks dude (laughs) awesome all right and our next and final question is from bad rumor music todd o'brien and he asked how is alex smith's rehab going and will he ever play in the nfl again uh doug do you want to kick this one off for us yeah you know alex smith i've loved alex smith since his days at the university of utah all the way up until the leg break. Um, watching that was heartbreaking. Now, his rehab, from what I understand, is is a slow, kind of um, very careful process, as it should be. Now, will he play in the NFL again? And my, my heart wants to say yes because of how much I love and appreciate Alex Smith. But in reality, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, um, I agree with Doug there, mainly just due to the fact that the way his leg snapped and where it broke at, um, you know, it broke both bones. They both snapped in half. And then after the surgery, there was an infection. And so I feel like that's where a lot of the damage came from was the infection and having to go in and clean that out. And, you know, there, that picture came came out, of, what, a couple months ago of him in the Washington Wizards locker room and he still has all these pins in his shin and into his bones and his leg, keeping everything stabilized. I haven't seen or heard anything of those even being taken out yet. You know, there was, I know there was a possibility of him even losing his leg with that just because everything just shattered and was the bones were just all over the place. So I knew that made that process really bad. Um, the reason I'm not creepingly just knowing this, I was a huge Alex Smith fan when he was here in Kansas city. You know, I got his Jersey for my birthday. And then that next uh, training camp, I went, and he signed it. And when that happened, it was just a surreal moment of, holy smokes, this is Alex Smith right here in front of me signing my jersey. And he, like, looked at me, like, waiting for me to say thank you. And I just stared at him like a creep because I just did – I couldn't say anything. <laughs> so I really I really did like Alex, and I really did want him to be here for this past season here in Kansas City just to finish out his contract because of what he did here. But, you know, the, the Chiefs ultimately made the right move. Patrick Mahomes wins MVP. Smith goes to Washington – this tragic accident happens, but the good thing for, about this for him is that what he was paid was guaranteed, so he's still going to get this money even though he's not playing. But to answer the question, on is if he's going to play in the NFL again? Like Doug said, I highly doubt it. Just due to the fact that he's over the age of 32, maybe even over 33. I'm not sure what his age is right now. 
but being that old, the potential of almost losing your leg, the infection, still having pins in it, like that's a long recovery. I mean, it took Teddy Bridgewater, what, three years just to get in, and he's still not even starting yet. There's a possibility he might, but how much hesitation is going to be there at your leg at that age? Especially so, playing the position he does. Like, there's there's a huge mental factor that goes into it that could really screw up his entire play. Exactly. And he's actually 34 already. Um, Treese, anything you have to add there? Yeah. Uh, I actually disagree with you guys. Uh, I absolutely <laughs> think he plays again. Um, I mean, the the original plan was for him to sit out this entire year anyways. He's got a whole nother, like, 16 months for all this to uh, take care of itself. And I know there's a lot of work ahead of him, but... Um, obviously from us being from Utah, seeing his worth work ethic, um, with the Utes under, under Urban Meyer, watching him go for, to San Francisco, um, obviously Utah here doesn't have a professional team. So a lot of people follow the Ute or follow the Niners here. And so we got to watch this, we got to watch him deal with all the adversity with Colin Kaepernick and getting traded and whatnot. I think, I think he's got a lot of fire with him, and I think that he wants to prove to everybody that he can come back and play in the NFL still. So um, I'm going to say that in 2020, he is a starting quarterback for a team in the NFL. Straight up, too. If you're like, if that's true, I will be so happy to be wrong. Yeah, I, exactly. I, Trees, I hope you're right. Uh, you guys already hate him. You guys can't go back on your word now. I don't. I don't He'll hate be happy him. for you. Trace. I love him. That's right. He's in my heart. Okay. Yeah. I can't uh-huh. hate that. I'm looking at his signed jersey right now. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. This next segment, we are going to give you guys an early look into who we're thinking might be uh, putting up division championship banners this upcoming season. Austin, I want to start with you. Give me an idea who you have. Uh, winning divisions in the AFC. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and uh, start with the the West um, just because, you know, my favorite team is in the division. And I'm honestly uh, going to go ahead and say that that's probably the best division in the league right now just with, you know, the amount of free agents that the Raiders got and how that completely transformed their, transforms their team and that they still have three first-round draft picks. And then with the Chargers getting close to winning it last year, and I think they're going to pick up more weapons um, here in the draft because they seem to do very well at having rookies play well and help them get to where they need to be. And then plus Phillip Rivers is Phillip Rivers. But with the AFC West starting here, I do have the Chiefs winning it again. Um, I do think the Chiefs have completely revamped their defense. Um, there's a lot of new faces there. There's a new defensive coordinator. Everything has changed. I think that's going to re-motivate them, and it's going to make the defense pretty scary. And a lot of teams aren't going to be ready for that just because they don't know what they're going to be seeing, you know, at first. And then the Chiefs offense, I think, is just going to carry on right away into the season of where they left off last year. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be as motivated as ever, um, you know, losing in the AFC Championship game, but coming off an MVP performance. I don't think that's going to hinder his game at all. Um, Heading into the AFC East, I have the Patriots winning. I don't think that we're. We need to talk about that much. It's the Patriots. I think the Bills got a little bit better. The Jets got a little bit better. There's still tons of holes on both those teams. And the Dolphins, eh, they're the Dolphins right now. (laughs) I'm heading into the AFC North. The Browns did get a lot better. You know, they look really good on paper, but the Steelers are the Steelers. They lost 
Brown, they lost Bell, but you know they didn't really have him last year. They, of course, they did have Brown, but I think Smith Schuster fills in that role perfectly. I think they find a receiver in the draft that's going to help them out. Um, Connor is not a bad running back. I also believe they'll get an, another running back in the draft that'll help out. And I think you know their defense. You know, same answer here. They're going to find someone in the draft that helps. And I know that's, you know, relying on a lot of rookies, but that's what the Steelers do. You know, they continue to draft someone and they come in and they perform well. That's part of the black and yellow, you know, of who they are and what they do. And they're going to continue to be that. And then here for the AFC South, I think the Colts win it again. The Texans did get better. There's still a lot of holes there. The Titans are the Titans right now. Someone are kind of the Dolphins. Why in the world are you trading for Tannehill? That I don't, you, you're going to have the same quarterback pretty much. If one gets hurt, you know, you don't skip a beat. You just put in the next guy that plays the exact same way. You've got the Patriots, Chiefs, Steelers, Colts as your division winners in the AFC. Doug, how does that compare to your list? Um, a few difference, but not that much. Uh, mainly one. <clears throat> well, in the AFC West. Definitely have the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, in the AFC West, I got the Chiefs. I mean, you can't really pick anybody but the Chiefs. They're insane, stellar. Um, I'm actually really excited to see what the Honey Badger does for you guys on defense. Um, in the East, I have New England. Just like you said, Austin, really all the other teams doing the same thing they do every year. Pretty much letting the Patriots walk all over them. And during the offseason... Free agency hits. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is on the beach, so not they're not too worried. I don't think we should be either. Um, in the North, the biggest difference is I have Cleveland. Personally, I don't think the Ste- the Steelers and the Ravens are going to be tied for me, whether they get second or third. Bengals, they're going to be last, hands down, putting money on it. They'll be fourth in the North. They'll be the dumpster fire. Now in the AFC North, I'm okay with that. Cleveland is going to take the top. And then the Colts and the AFC South. So Patriots, Chiefs, your Cleveland Browns, and the Indianapolis Colts. Treese, give me something different from these guys. Give me give me your <laughs> list. All right. Um, so, Austin, how many, how many touchdowns did Patrick Mahomes throw last year? 50 how many should it have been a lot yeah. more oh okay okay so it, he had to throw that win an mvp just to have the same record as philip rivers and the chargers oh, oh. Uh, i'll go i'll go with, I'll go with the chargers to win that division um we I, will talk about that you know let's just talk about it now forget about it what the heck of course he had to look at the chiefs defense <laughs> Look, at the, look, like, that's all I have to say. The defense, yes, Patrick Mahomes had to do that, and I loved every second of him having to do that until the AFC Championship game in overtime against Tom Brady when freaking, oh, I'm so fresh right now. Bob Sutton runs the same damn defense at the end of every game, and all you have to do is run Elman on a slant for a first down on third and ten. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, Patrick Mahomes has to throw for 5,000 yards in 50 touchdowns. But you know what? He left a lot on the field, and I – I would like to bet he almost does for 60 this next year. That's a very emotional bet. Hey, let's <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. Let's do this right now. What's the bet? Chargers win the AFC West. Let's go. What do you want? Treese is a master of betting. Are we talking money or what? What whatever you want to lose. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
throw it out there. I'm I'm the emotional one right now. I'm not gonna overbet. You bet. You want to bet? bet. <laughs> We'll, we'll take, we're we're going to take this offline here, and then we're going to come back next episode, and you guys will all find out what we're actually betting here. Um, so I got the Chargers winning AFC West, um, death taxes and Patriots winning the AFC East, whatever, um, and the Ravens. I got the Ravens winning the North. Um, they won it last year. Um, I think that their offense is going to be better with Ingram, and it's going to be better with Lamar Jackson having a whole offseason as the starter. Um, everybody's talking about Weddle leaving. Who cares? They got Earl Thomas. They got better at that position. Yes, C.J. Mosley is a huge loss. Um, I think that they find a way to move up into the draft and try to get their linebacker. I truly believe that that's what they're going to try to do there. Um, and then we're going to have a new AFC South winner this year, um, following your guys' suit in the Colts and they're going to dethrone the Houston Texans. Beautiful. I hate that list. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> well, I don't like yours. I either, like Austin. <laughs> I like it. Well, listen here, Treese, you know, the past two or three years. <laughs> yeah. Treese, I'm still upset with you right now because the past two or three years, everyone has put the chargers as you know the division winners the chargers are going to win the afc west what happens they do what the chargers do and they don't make it so trees step in fucking line bet on the chargers and watch the chiefs win the west i'm going to and for the record i don't even care that i'm saying this i we did the same thing last year just through friends and i literally said the chart or the chiefs weren't even going to make the playoffs so fuck me right you're going to be fine it doesn't matter let me just pick the chargers and we're good all right, love you, buddy. On to the <laughs> NFC. <laughs> let's do it. NFC. All right, Austin, let's hear your picks for the NFC. Oh, I don't know if I can start now. Shit. <laughs> so, boys, I'll go ahead and get us started here heading into the NFC. I'll have the Rams winning the NFC West. I do think it'll be a close matchup with the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. I think if the 49ers can stay healthy, they'll make a good push for it. But the Rams are the Rams here, and they have helped themselves tremendously this past offseason. They didn't lose too much on offense. They did lose some on defense. But I think they'll get guys in there that can help with that. And with Wade Phillips as your defensive coordinator, I think you're going to be okay. Going into the NFC East, um, I have the Cowboys actually winning this. I thought it would be close between the Giants and the Cowboys. No, I'm just kidding, Brandon. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was to you. Um, I think the Cowboys not necessarily run away at this. I think it'll be close with the the Eagles if they can stay healthy on offense. If Carson Wentz can stay healthy, if he goes down again and they don't have a reliable backup, I think that hurts the Eagles, and then they really need to consider the future with Wentz. Um, That's a whole other conversation, though. Heading to the NFC North, I think the Bears will win this again. I think Mitchell Trubisky gets another year of experience here. He gets another year with Nagy. They get to grow in that offense. Nagy gets to open the the offensive playbook more for him. The Packers got better on defense, which is what they needed. They got a new head coach. They got a new offensive coordinator. This is what Aaron Rodgers has pretty much been begging for, um, probably in his own mind, just because he seems to be kind of a weird guy. But I guarantee you he's just been asking for help here instead of going, Aaron, make something happen. So I think it will be close with the Packers. So with the with the Lions, I do think the Lions may have a chance. Um, I think Patricia having another year as a head coach and trying his best on getting that turned into what he was used to in New England. I think we'll see some of that come to light here for the Detroit Lions. But the Bears ultimately win that division. And then the NFC South, I think the Saints not necessarily run away with it, you know, kind of like what I said about the Cowboys in the East. But the Saints, they do have a good team. They didn't lose too much. You know, they did lose Mark Ingram. I think Kamara's ready to fill that role full-time. Their defense is still set. 
I think they're ready to go and actually make it to the Super Bowl this year. I'm going to go ahead and make my Super Bowl prediction and call the Chiefs Saints. I just think that's what happens. I think they're both in a prime position to make that happen. And the Saints, you know, with the Minneapolis miracle and then the blown defensive interference call that wasn't that was not called. I think the Saints finally overcome that and then make it to the Super Bowl here. So you've got Cowboys, Rams, Bears and Saints. Doug, mm-hmm. what do you got? For me, for the West, I actually have the 49ers. Um, I think that the Rams will kind of get figured out. I mean, Sean Sean McVay is an offensive mastermind. He's a great head coach. But leading up to the Super Bowl, yeah, Jared Goff, he looked like he was going to cry that whole Super Bowl week. I think it overwhelmed him. A young quarterback, young coaching staff that really hadn't been there before um, in the roles they were playing. So I do think they might get figured out a little bit, but the Niners will give them a really hard time as long as Garoppolo stays healthy. They hit their draft pick perfectly. Um, I do think it's the Niners that take the West. And then the Cowboys I have for the East. Um, I do have high hopes for them. I mean, we saw what they could do once Cooper came in. It gave Dak all these different avenues, all these different ways for them to be able to attack. Um, the Bears actually are who I have taking the North. I think that they're just beefing up. Um, their defense is insane. I really hope that they're able to add more offensive weapons for Trubisky. Trubisky kind of showcased a lot more of his talents than throwing. He can scramble a little bit, get out of the pocket. Um, he can work on a few things, but I do think it's the Bears that take the North. And I'm never going to bet against the Saints. I just I can't. Uh, the Saints are who I have taken the South. Drew Brees is an amazing quarterback, and I have the Saints just taken over the South with their weapons. If Brees goes down, they have Bridgewater, and they still have Michael Thomas, Kamara to just completely take it away. So Cowboys, 49ers, Bears, and Saints. Treese, finish this off for us. NFC division winners? Um, Yeah, I love that there's multiple divisions here that we all chose different teams, which I think is super exciting. Um, Starting with the NFC West, I have the Seattle Seahawks winning that division. Mm. Um, I think that they're a solid team. I think they have a lot of like under underrated weapons on offense. I think their offensive line is doing great. Um, Once I got rid of Tom Gable, surprise, surprise, their offensive line went from worst to one of the best. Uh, I don't know how that guy keeps getting jobs. Um, so I think that they, I think they'll they'll be very close with the Rams at the top. I just think that they'll they maybe have the head to head win over them that kind of gets them over the top there. NFC East, um, I got the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Wentz comes back. Um, I think he's more of like the 2017 Wentz than the 2018 Wentz. Arguably the best defensive line. Um, they got all sorts of weapons with Jeffrey's going to be healthy the full year. They got Deshaun Jackson. They still got Aguilar. By the way, they still got one of the best tight ends in Ertz. Um, <laughs> and I think that uh, my hot take right here is I think that they trade with the 49ers to get Matt Breida in the next week. Um, and I think, hot take, hot take. I think that's a, they're starting like back here. Um, the Tevin Coleman signing for the 49ers is one of my favorite signings of this offseason. I think that's a perfect fit. Obviously, Shanahan and uh, Atlanta, they know familiar, you know, they're familiar with each other. So uh, let's see. I got the Packers winning the North. Um, I think what their offseason moves so far in free agency with beefing up that defensive line, I think that's 
awesome. I think that um, they're going to really let Rodgers kind of control that offense. And I have faith in Aaron Rodgers to get them in the right position. And then the NFC South, I think, is the hardest division in football. Um, and I can't remember the stat, but there, and it hasn't been like this the last couple of years, but I do remember from like 2010 to like 2006, like whoever took last the year before won it the following year. It was crazy. It was like, that's clock. amazing. Yeah. It was really awesome. Um, with all that being said, it's still the saints. Um, <laughs> but I mean the Falcons, when they're healthy, they are so scary. Like they're so good. And I mean, the Panthers, like, let's not forget, they were like six and one at one point last year and then like decided to just stop caring in the fourth quarter of games and started losing everything. I just I think that division is awesome. I really do. I think it's a lot of fun. So um, but I'm going to go with the Saints there. So you've got the Philadelphia Eagles, Seahawks, Packers and Saints. It's looking good. I wish the Lions would have gotten one of your guys votes. But I look at the AFC, the Jaguars didn't get a vote. Um, Chiefs and Browns got one, but we know from where those came. So <laughs> let me ask you guys this. As of now, let's just throw out an idea. Who's the favorite to have the number one pick, the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft? Tracy, you go ahead since you're full of hot takes. Hot takes. I actually will go with the Miami Dolphins. Um, they have they have a lot of weapons. I mean, like nothing like fantastic, but like Kenny Stills is good. I mean, Drake is good. Um, but they're gonna have a new head coach here. Fitzpatrick is they're gonna be their new quarterback as of now. Um, I just I just see them wanting from or to us so badly that like they won't even care if they lose. Like they're just not gonna give a shit. So I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. You know, that out, that one actually surprised me, but it makes sense. Um, yeah, oh, that one that one's reasonable. I'm just going to go ahead and say mine because it kind of makes me happy and giggly inside. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that they're just going to be absolutely terrible. Yeah, they, uh, they re-signed Eifert on uh, one more year. They have A.J. Green. As long as he stays healthy, he'll be fine. Same situation with Eifert. Stays healthy. He's great. Andy Dalton, I do believe he's an average, if not below average, quarterback. Um, Their coaching staff, new. Not a lot of people know what they're going to be like. So, I mean, they might win one or two games, maybe, just out of being surprising. New, uh, New schemes in the NFL, things like that. Their defense, though, they're going to be absolutely terrible. As much as I don't like Vontez Perfect, he did. He was kind of like their cornerstone of their defense for a while just because he was the veteran, the guy that had been there forever. Dirty player, not a huge fan of him. But I do think the Bengals get the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft. And Austin, uh, sorry, just for the record, uh, AJ Green is the softest wide receiver in the NFL. I'm gonna agree with uh, Jalen Ramsey on that. Um, if you guys oh need to go back gosh. and watch it, if you guys want to agree on the 2017 film, like just go watch that game. Listen, Trace, listen, who hurt you? Listen, <laughs> if I had to pick receivers based off of last year, off of their performance, I would go personally Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. 
Probably Tyreek Hill based off of production and then AJ Green. I left Obed, I left Odell out just because he was out a few games and also he had Eli Manning as his quarterback, so he didn't like shine as he could have. But I do agree with that take that AJ Green is not as good as most people say he is. So, I, I have questions. So just for the record, I actually do think AJ Green's good. I just the the whole him and Jalen Ramsey thing was like everything that I want in football. So that's <laughs> Austin, what are your thoughts? Is AJ Green soft? Are these guys telling us the truth? I mean, yeah, he gets a little upset, but I think that one time he got upset was with Ramsey, and that just kind of showed, you know, how impressive it is that Ramsey can get underneath the skin of someone who hardly talks and just goes out there and plays ball. I think he would be <clears throat> respected a lot more in the league, kind of like, you know, a Mike Evans as well, if they had a decent quarterback or if they were winning. He's kind of one of those guys that gets shadowed due to that. Um I don't know about soft because I also haven't watched them that much just because it's the Bengals. And then I think that kind of slides right into, you know, who's going to have the number one pick in the 2020 draft. I wanted to say the Dolphins, but just because they signed Fitzpatrick and Fitzmagic is going to come in and probably win them five or six games. Hell yeah. I think that kind of takes that away for them. Um, the Bengals just as seeing where they are, you know, coming in with a new coach and a new regiment you know, top to bottom pretty much, you know, Andy Dalton's going to come in. I feel like he might come in with a fire underneath his butt ready to play, you know, ready to prove that he is, you know, the franchise quarterback and that he can win them a playoff game. Do they make it? I don't. I doubt it. But for the number one pick in next year's draft, I will say the Giants, honestly, just because I don't know where they're going to go outside of Barkley. Um, the, you know, they do have some decent receivers outside of Eli Manning. Who do they have on defense? What's there? So, for me, the 2020 number one draft goes to the New York Giants. So, we've got the Giants, the Bengals, and the Dolphins. Let me ask you guys, just throw out a name. If you're number one, right, as of now, very early, Tua or From? From. From, not close. I'd say From. I just had to think about this because of what Tua's been through, but yeah, From. Awesome. So, this last segment, I uh, had the thought, I wanted to ask you guys, Obviously, we're talking football. We all love this game. I want to know what game or moment along the way for you was a defining moment. What's the most memorable football game that you've ever watched? So when I was when I was a little kid, I guess I shouldn't say little. Um, when I was little, you know, I was just kind of getting into sports, and I was starting to get to the point to where I would see a logo and I would know you know, what team and what city they were, and then some players on the team. Um, I was kind of starting to get to that point. And then around that time was when the Texas Longhorns were were getting pretty good, right? You know, Jamal Charles, Vince Young, the, I mean, just Lima Swede, you know, these just list of Texas Longhorn players that were there, Quan Cosby, and then all their defensive studs that were there as well. At this point in time, I was starting to kind of get onto that. And a huge part of that was because of Matt Miller and Mello you know, seeing who they were fans of and then, you know, watching the game on Saturday afternoon. They're the Texas Longhorns and, you know, they're ranked top of the nation. But just to kind of get to the most memorable game for me was watching them win that Rose Bowl um, against the USC. I remember watching that last play with my mom and just sitting there and going, you know, are they going to win? What's going to happen? What are they, where is he going to throw the ball to? Is this, you know, how do, how do they win? And then watching Vince Young break away to the right side and hit the corner of the end zone and then ultimately win the game. I thought that was awesome. Um, that would be my answer for college football. If we're going to talk NFL, it would 
probably be my first Thursday night game. I went and watched the Kansas City Chiefs play the Oakland Raiders, and that atmosphere was electric. The uh, Tyreek Hill had to return back for the Chiefs, and there was a penalty the first time that the the Raiders punted the ball to the Chiefs. Here, they punted the ball. Tyreek Hill actually muffed the muffed the catch, lost some yardage. There was a penalty. Chiefs accepted it. They redo the play. In the midst of that, the crowd starts chanting Tyreek. And, I mean, it's just Tyreek, Tyreek. And you could just kind of feel it just grow and grow. And you're like, he's going to return it. Like, this is going to happen. They punt the ball directly to him. He takes it. He stops, hesitates, takes a step to the right, and then just takes off down the left side of the sideline. And to me, that was just awesome because that was the first time I had ever seen a guy just react to something live right in front of me. So to me, that was probably one of the most memorable things I've ever experienced in my time as being a football fan. Excellent answer. Doug. Um, you know, my favorite, most memorable game is actually from this last season for the Cleveland Browns for 635 days. The Browns hadn't won a game. I remember the last game that they won against the Chargers on Christmas Eve in 2016. I honestly, at that point, didn't think I was going to go almost two years. Close, not quite, but almost without winning a game. Um, It was against the New York Jets, Thursday night football. There was a ton of emotion going into that game. Carlos Hyde, his uh, son, I think, was born that day, and he arrived to the stadium late. Um which was an emotional powerhouse for him. I remember Tyrod Taylor. I just had this I nothing wrong with Tyrod Taylor. He's definitely a bridge quarterback. Um he was just getting pounded. I think he got sacked 3 times in the first quarter and each time was just hard hit after hard hit after hard hit. And then he ends up getting a concussion. He goes out and enter in Baker Mayfield. This was the moment where everybody was going to be like, "Okay, Let's see what Baker Mayfield's got. Is he going to be the Browns franchise quarterback? Is it all hype? What's going to happen? And the dude balled out. He threw for over 200 yards. Um, Carlos Hyde even showed up. It was the game of Carlos Hyde's life, being able to experience the gift of his newborn son and then being able to run for two touchdowns and 98 yards. But the thing that sealed it for me was the feeling when Joe Schobert intercepted the ball and sealed the deal for the Browns win. I knew right then and there that there was finally a foundation that the Browns had started to build and they were growing. Um, That was pure bliss for me to finally win one game. Uh, We lost two heartbreaker games before that. First tied the Steelers, then lost to the Saints. But winning that game was one of the best feelings since I've had since being a Browns fan for almost 20 years now. It's amazing what, like, a loss on a Sunday. I don't know about you guys. I just kind of pack it in the rest of the day. When the Lions get a win, I mean, I'm, I'll do anything. Somebody needs help moving furniture. Like, you just get all this energy to uh, I feel like celebrate you can conquer life. the world. Yeah, absolutely. Therese, what do you got? 
So my favorite. Uh, sorry, got everybody. Just for the record, sit back. This is gonna be a little bit. Um, <laughs> so my favorite college game. I wasn't gonna do this until Austin brought it up, but I was like, all right, I can do favorite college game. Um, so I have multiple favorite college games. Like there's been a lot ones that have been more exciting and close, but like I think my favorite game I've ever been to was the 2007 Holiday Bowl which Austin will like this. It was Texas versus Arizona State. Um, I was on vacation in San Diego, and I was just like, wonder what? I want to go to a bowl game. I've never been to one. So I went to that. Um, Texas ended up winning 52 to 31, 34, so, somewhere in that area. It was, a, it was a blowout. But being able to watch Colt McCoy and Jamal Charles, oh man, Jamal Charles, he went for like 155, 160 yards. Like he, he just balled out. It was so fun to watch. Um, being able to see guys like Brian Arakpo and uh, Lamar Houston on that defense. Um, it was fun. It was like my first like experience to see like a big 12 school and like a big name school that wasn't like I was just so used to Mountain West and Pac-10 type ball that like watching like bigger uh, conferences. That was a lot of fun for me. Um Going on to my most memorable games, I have two in particular. Um, for me, the first one is the 2002 NFC wildcard game between the Giants and the Niners. Um, Niners were down 24 um, late in the third quarter, and the Giant, or sorry, the Niners came back and won that game. Uh, watching Jeff Garcia do his thing, scrambling around, throwing it to streets and throwing it to Terrell Owens, who surprise, surprise was hurt and like, but still playing through it and doing beast mode type things. Um, I remember watching that in my parents' basement and watching the Niners come back. I was so excited. And then Giants go down drive it down to about the Niners 25 yard line call a timeout with three seconds left line up for a field goal bad snap uh holder who has to sprint out of the pocket trying to find a pass lobs it up um and I think it was Julian Peterson ends up tackling this offensive lineman on my five yard line so there's all these flags on the field and I remember watching Giants fans just like be so happy because they thought it was pass interference, but then it ended up being illegal man downfield. Uh, it was, <laughs> like just seeing the heartbreak on Giants fans, uh, dude. Brandon's gonna fucking hate us by the end. Of he this might episode. unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, um, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. Yeah, I just remember that fine. game. Like I was just like, like that was like the first time I like saw like a like holy shit like anything can happen on this game. Like this game is amazing. Um, so that's my most that's probably my most memorable watching on TV. Um, Riley may know this story, but um, my most memorable of all time is the 1995 divisional round between the Niners and the Packers. Um, me and my dad ended up driving to San Francisco to go to this game. And I was so excited. It was my first NFL game. Plus, it was playoffs. You know, I'm seven years old, like six or seven years old, just like super excited, right? Um, Brett Favre ends up just crushing my dreams as a fan. And like he leads them to this huge upset, 27-17. 
And I just remember being devastated with the loss. Like, I just couldn't handle it. Um, but that's not what was so memorable about it. Um, so, actually, on the way home, um, I got in a very serious car crash. Uh, we fell down basically a mountain, and uh, the truck rolled seven times, and I was beat up like really beat up uh couldn't really move and i got uh life lighted to the salt lake hospital and i had to have like 48 staples in my head like all these staples in my arm and stuff i could not like move but um why he's one of my favorite players of all time is steve young found out heard about this and he ended up getting the entire team to sign a football for me. And the 49ers organization wrote me like this long letter and like took a whole bunch of pictures and stuff for me. And like there's a, a lot of cool things. And so Steve Young ended up coming to the hospital and giving this to me and stuff. And so like for me, I thought that was super cool. Like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, like crashes happen all the time. Like Steve Young didn't have to do anything like that. And he did. And so I thought that was super cool. Um, and then like five years later, uh, Steve Young was at a card shop next to my house signing autographs. And so I went there and, um, gave him one of my cards and I said, you probably don't remember me. And he looked up and he was like, holy cow, you're the kid that got in the car crash a few years ago. No way. And yeah, straight up remembered me. And I thought and so, like, he took a whole bunch of pictures with me and stuff. So it was super cool. Like, sorry, long, awesome. long tangent there, that's but, um, you know, I just, that's why it's my most memorable game. Um, in the end, fuck you, Brett Favre. That's what it, it really comes down <laughs> to. Like, but at the end, um, that's why it's the most memorable for me. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Dude, that's, that's, awesome, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, that's one of those things where like football is more than a game. Like there's experiences really that you can have that honestly are life altering, um, and the fact that Steve Young and the whole Niners organization went out of their way to sign up football did all that for you just goes to show how much heart the players have for their fans. Yeah, absolutely. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Talking Football. We appreciate it. Be sure to follow and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Twitter at Talkin' underscore football.